Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Hello and welcome once again to Your Retirement Elevated. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Dugan. Scott, what's going on this week? How are you, sir? It's summertime and I'm happy to be inside the air conditioning. (laughs) Yes, time's the next, oh, I don't know, two or three months, right? Until we can cool back down a little bit. (laughs) I believe it could be the eighth wonder of the world. If, if you hear a little extra static in the background of today's show, there's a fan, an air conditioner, and a, a cooler that Scott is dipping into occasionally for a cool drink. So Yes, absolutely. <laughs> they just uh, ignore the extemporaneous noises as we go through today's show. Well, welcome back to the show if you're a, a past listener to the program. And if you're new, welcome here. I'll tell you a little bit about Scott. He's the co-founder and managing partner at Elevated Retirement Group serving you in the Kansas City metro area, but has clients all across the country, so no matter where you are, welcome. You can find past episodes and more information on listentoscott.com. And on today's program, we're going to be talking about common investor biases. And these are things, Scott, that you're saying basically everybody's going to have one or more of these biases as they kind of enter into this financial realm. And these things impact what? Our ability to invest or how we invest, how we save? I think it can be boiled down to it's how we make decisions. And you've, you've known me for a while. I talk a lot about helping our clients make fact-based, logical decisions. And in today's world, with so much information that's available to us, it's really hard to discern what's you know appropriate, you know what's accurate, and we can sometimes suffer from. You know, either misleading information, missing information, miscommunicated information, which can lead us down to the path of making decisions that aren't necessarily in our best interest. And in today's world, I don't think that we need access to more information. I think we need a very rigid process to make better decisions that are truly are in your best interest and support your goals and dreams about retirement. And so I thought it was appropriate to talk about investor biases because one or all of these or some of these can affect us. The first step is understanding that they're out there, understanding what they are, and then we can take a step back and to really assess, are we being affected by some of these biases? So we have, what, eight, uh, seven on today's show to cover and go through seven different biases? Exactly. Okay. What's the first one you want to start off with? Uh, let's start with the first one is overconfidence. And it can happen, especially when markets are hot. But what investment research increasingly points to is, A, the difficulty of beating the market, especially after fees and trading costs and taxes are taken into account. And we talk about that all the time in this show. You know, we don't have a crystal ball. We cannot predict the markets. And if we talk about, you know, if the markets, can we all agree, react to the media? And we can say yes to the news. Well, do we know what the news is? story is going to be tomorrow? And the answer is no. Well, if the markets react to the news cycle, we don't know what the news cycle is going to be tomorrow. Well, then we obviously can't predict the future. Now we can look at long-term trends and things like that. But really, it's we just can't pick stocks and be a prognosticator. And so when we talk about that overconfidence, it's natural to believe that we know more than everyone else. 
and it's kind of like the Lake Wobegon effect. Uh, you remember the old Prairie Home Companion? <laughs> it was, you know, talked about uh, Lake Wobegon as a place where all the children are above average. Investors, and even many advisors, tend to think likewise uh, that they are as well. So just understand where I see overconfidence really come into play or can be a, a big factor, especially if someone has a large position in their company's stock. And the idea that they have a better pulse, you know, feeling the pulse of that company, they know, you know, the management, what's going on. Well, that may be true, but we may not want to stake our entire retirement or a substantial chunk of it on the balance sheet of one company. You know, so that's where we don't want to be too overconfident in our decisions. I think a lot of people are probably feeling this bias right now. Would that be accurate? I would think so. Really, I think right now depends on you know, kind of your belief. You know, some people do believe that we're in you know, ever increasing better times, and then there's other people that think we're in the end times. <laughs> and so, I think it's always good to be cautiously optimistic, no matter what's going on. A lot of these things, or correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, can either be built up over time, or some of these can be kind of things that flex and change and kind of morph with what's happening in the world around us, right? So some of these things might be built into us from birth, and it's the way we've always viewed the world, whereas others, you know, you could adapt this mentality today, but then also lose it tomorrow. So you're, you're correct. You know, these things could rear their ugly head at certain times in our history. Some are just ever present. An example with number two, the herd mentality. And, you know, sometimes a herd mentality can't be rationalized. If you think about, you know, herd mentality in the past, we, you know, we call them bubbles. Uh, if you think of, you remember the old, the beanie baby craze? Oh my, oh yes. I, yeah. I grew up with that being a craze and not understanding why. Yep. Uh, I remember being young in my, I have a sister who is five years younger and the cabbage patch doll craze. Yes. You that know, was waiting. the pre beanie baby craze. Right? Yes. You know, if you look back, even though go all the way back to the tulip bulb craze, you know, where the price of a tulip bulb, it was, it was just so astronomical and it just shows that there's these trends and people get herded along and they kind of fall prey. If you look at most recent, this run up uh, last year with Bitcoin, not, you know, talking about the efficacy of Bitcoin as a currency, but as the media covered Bitcoin and people were you know charging on the credit card they were cashing out certain things and buying it and it was clearly if you look at all the indicators it's easy to look back at now you know people are being herded and stampeded down this path where ultimately it didn't paint out very well now granted bitcoin's kind of on another little rebound but you get the, the idea something gets in the collective mind the media magnifies it people start to you know rush towards that thing it's a good idea and that's what happens you know with that herd mentality but you know nobody wants to miss out if everybody's going to get rich that you want to get rich and you know but you really have to be for a long-term investor you got to follow your instincts initially following the herd rarely makes sense financially yeah, it's a really good point that you make, Scott. And uh, Tickle Me Elmo was another one that popped into my mind there with the uh, 
her yep. herd mentality. Yes, when yes. We were talking about all the crazes for different toys and things like that. Sure. So we've got overconfidence, herd mentality, another common investor bias. And then I see here on the uh, graphic that you've shared with me, Scott, and we're going to make this available in the show notes of today's episode. So be sure to check that if you want kind of a helpful infographic to go along with this. There's a thing called hindsight bias, looking back over our shoulder. Absolutely. And hindsight market losses may seem to have an, an obvious or intuitive explanation, you know, just like the Bitcoin, you know, just like the housing crisis, just like the dot com, you know, after thorough examination, everybody goes, oh, yeah, that makes complete sense. How do we miss that? Well, things happen and looking backwards with and we can you know, do an analysis and we can gain more insight. But, you know, that hindsight this could feed into your overconfidence and really set you up for thinking you can properly anticipate, you know, such market changes the next time around. It's like, well, this has happened in the past, so I'll be ready for this the next time it happens. Problem is, whatever is going to be the next major market correction is probably not going to be repeating the past. It's going to be some other situation. So be careful of that hindsight bias. Yeah, it's a really good point, Scott. So we've got hindsight biases, another thing. I feel like that's something that we all fall victim to because it's comfortable looking back. We know what happened. We know what we could have done differently. And so we think we can kind of fix that problem going forward. But the next problem may not be the same. Absolutely. It's, we're always going to create you know, different issues you know, going forward. And I can just tell you, and you know, I've got a... We just had a conversation with a, a prospective client. And they're like, well, you know, is now really the time, you know, to be you know, investing into the market? You know, we're at all-time highs. I said, well, you know, that may be true, but we could have had this same conversation thousands of times <laughs> over the past, you know, several decades. The thing is, the market over time goes up and to the left, you know, that mountain chart. It just doesn't do it in a straight line, and you've got to be prepared for the ups and downs of the market because they're going to happen. And, you know, we can't anticipate what or when, you know, those ups and downs or fluctuations are going to be or what they're going to be caused by, but we can be prepared. And that leads us to the next investor bias, which is loss aversion. And if you think about there's pain and pleasure, and the pain of experiencing a loss is far greater than the joy felt by an equivalent gain. And I talk about this, you know, with our clients. You know, if somebody has a million dollars saved for retirement, and if they, I said, now envision, you know, over a one-year period, that $1 million went to $1.5 million. And I think about that, and I said, well, is that going to change your life dramatically? And almost always they say, well, no, we're still going to live our life and do those things. We're not going to go crazy. Maybe we'll take an extra trip or something. But fundamentally, we aren't going to change who we are. I said, okay, so let's think about that million. What if it went to 500,000? I said, would that change your attitude? And nine out of 10 times, they always say, well, yes, that would really make us rethink our retirement. We may be nervous about our ability to produce income and to be able to be independent and keep the same level of lifestyle. You know, so loss aversion can be extremely painful. And what can happen is that if you don't recognize that you may be suffering from loss aversion, 
that can cause people to misjudge their tolerance for risk and making it more likely that they bail out or they don't have the discipline to stick to their financial plan. And that's the biggest thing is, you know, time in the market is what counts. You know, we can't pick and choose. We just have to make sure that we've got a plan in place that will help you weather that storm because it's going to happen. And if you look at that, research show that retirees feel about 10 times worse about losing a hundred dollars than they do about gaining a hundred dollars you know so that really drives home that point so again we can be cautiously optimistic we can invest in a way that you can sleep well at night you know some people are going to be geared more towards guarantees or protected type of strategies some people are more comfortable with you know all market-based growth strategies i think the most important thing we can do is explore what your level of uh, tolerance is for the fluctuation of the value of your portfolio talk about the pros and cons of having those that outlook and then go to devise a plan that fits you that's customized your situation so i think that's one of the best ways to help protect yourself against loss aversion the uh, rather not lose 100 than gain 50 or however you kind of put that sort of that old you know bird in the hand is worth two in the bush sort it, of it, mentality yes yes so, makes a lot of sense all right this next one i'm interested to hear about affinity traps Affinity it, traps. I, I love these. These are these are usually examples of, you know, I was talking to my buddy on the golf course, or I was fishing with my buddy earlier, and it's where <laughs> the same guy who just told you the big fish story, right? Yeah. Yes. So we take the advice of someone because we like them or share a social circle, regardless of whether that person has a reasonable basis for offering their viewpoint. I hear it all the time. Well, you know, hey, I. You know, my friend, they bought this stock and it went went crazy. Why don't we get some of that? You know, well, then let's dig into that. Well, how much of their portfolio is really in this stock? Are they telling you the full picture? And so, again, we want to make sure that we filter the information that we're given and make sure it really applies to us. And just be careful, just because we like someone or in that social circle doesn't necessarily make them a credible resource for information about guiding you through retirement that one's pretty simple right take your yeah. advice from people who are qualified to give such advice yes absolutely okay absolutely we've got two more common investor biases to hit the next one is survivorship bias and this is an interesting one because we may underestimate the degree of market risk when we look at only companies which are still operating today. So you think about how many businesses fail. I mean, it, it's staggering how many businesses don't make it past one year, five years, 10 years. And what happens is that we miss out on the lessons offered by many failed companies. Uh, think about, you guys remember Kodak? You know, they were a high flyer until they weren't. See, and I, Kodak was, I thought, very good marketing in Kodak. I just liked everything that they produced from a commercial standpoint, and yet they just their product just became obsolete. They couldn't adapt fast enough. But I, I miss having like a good advertiser. You know what I mean? Oh, sure, and and that's a perfect example of where you know they were a f well-run company. Things that industry changed, and like you said, they they couldn't adapt fast enough to keep up and reinvent themselves. You know, so when you look at that, 
we miss out on those lessons because those companies aren't on the radar. And this is another matter that could feed into our overconfidence is saying, well, you know, just looking at these, you know, handful of or these this big group of companies that are still around and really not thinking through or talking about well what's not around. It's just like mutual funds. You know, if you're listening to this, you know that we don't use uh, a lot of the retail prepackaged mutual funds that are out there. You know, it's just not our our investment discipline. But the amount of of mutual funds that are shuttered after so many years and a new one comes out with a new name, it's like the graveyard of mutual funds is littered, you know, with funds that just didn't make it. And there's a handful of them that, you know, continue to stick it out. So just be careful on that survivorship bias. And, you know, finally, as you wrap it up, when we're talking about common investor biases, it's that availability bias or recency effect. And this is a big one. That's why I saved this one for last, because it's really simply this. What has happened most recently is the freshest in our minds, and we extrapolate recent events into the future, expecting more of the same. So large recent market gains lead us to expect more of the same and vice versa. And it really takes discipline to overcome these natural tendencies. Perfect example, the fourth quarter of 2018 was one of the steepest declines we've had in about a decade. The first quarter of 2019 was pretty robust. We just wrapped up the second quarter, and it was pretty moderate. There's some cooling off for sure. And we've got to pick our way through to see, you know, is current monetary policy kind of becoming long in the tooth? You know, what's the effect of the trade wars that we have? And you need to see what short term is going to happen to the market. So just because the fourth quarter of 2018 was bad, we turned around and had a stellar third or first quarter, excuse me, of 2019 moderate second quarter and we don't know what the third quarter is going to bring so again just because it's happened recently doesn't mean it's going to repeat itself and continue to go that way so when you kind of take all of these different biases into account are you you kind of diving into everybody's brain when they come into the office to meet with you and finding you know checking the boxes of which biases they have or or how do you kind of use all this information and this knowledge when you're putting together plans for people well we definitely we aren't dime store psychologists. That's that's number one. <laughs> uh, we did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, so I'm not qualified to do that. But you know, I've been doing this for you know almost 20 years, and we've developed a process that really drills down and helps people figure out what's truly important to them. Extremely important is how they've made decisions in the past, and if that process they've used in the past is potentially flawed or missing important pieces, we want to give them the tools to make better decisions going forward. Because I can't change the past, but we can only focus on what can we do in the here and the now, and the decisions we make today will affect us, hopefully, in a positive light in the future. So a lot of these behavioral things are built into our process, and a lot of the communications, like today, you're listening to this podcast, I'm trying to give you educational pieces that will help you think about your situation, think about your thought process. And what we don't want to do is make knee-jerk emotional reactions that will have long-term negative effects on our retirement. And so that's why we communicate like we do, how we're getting ready to have our uh, halftime report coming up in August. We'll get a lot of our clients together 
and talk about, hey, what's happened in the first part of 2019 and what's the short-term outlook for the rest of 2019 so we can be prepared for the myriad of outcomes that are out there. But ultimately, it's so you can have confidence in the plan that's been put together and have confidence that you're going to stick to your guns and your investment discipline when things get rocky, because at some point they're going to. We just don't know when that's going to be. Well, if you need help putting together your own financial or retirement plan, it's easy to get in touch with Scott Dugan. And again, not going to do brain surgery on you or uh, the dime store psychology, but definitely an in-depth conversation about your financial life, what's important to you, where you need to go to get to and through retirement and all the elements that come along with that. And it starts with a simple conversation if you have those kinds of questions and concerns. You can reach out by calling 913 393-4724. That's 913-393-4724. Or online at listentoscott.com. You can listen to past episodes of the program. Get in touch with the team online there as well. Listentoscott.com. Scott, great show today. Interesting to learn about these common investor biases. I feel very like introspective now. I'm thinking about what are my own biases. So kind of a fun game to play thinking about it is maybe you go forward from the podcast today. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad to hear it, and hopefully it's been helpful. Absolutely. For Scott Dugan, I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you on the next podcast. This is your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.